Do not worry about Ochai, Abaji, and Summer League. Is it possible that everyone in the West got better? Other than Portland, of course. It's all next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz. Today, we look at night two of the Summer League. Ten fouls and bad shooting by Ochai Abaji. Should we be worried? No. Lucas Samanich makes some shots. We'll discuss it in another night of looking at Keontae George in our night two impressions of the Summer League. And then we run down the Western Conference. Okay, no one got like dramatically better but is it a chance that like everyone got a little better it's pretty wild and we're looking at it coming up on today's show as i mentioned i'm david lock radio voice of the utah jazz jazz nba insider and this is locked on jazz it's your daily podcast on the utah jazz giving you insight expertise geeky numbers and making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every single day. And to the everydayers out there, I really can't thank you enough. So fun to walk around the arena, see all you guys at Summer League, have people say hi, know that you're an everydayer. Tip of the hat. I appreciate you. It's what drives me because today I'm exhausted for some reason. Um, and you get up and you know, like, it's great. Like, I got, I'm so lucky. I do a job where there's people that wake up and they join me every day. And so my job is to bring the juice, bring some good topics, bring some good conversation and join you for 30 minutes every day. And I love it. And I thank you so much uh, for tuning in and believing in the show and all the rest. So thank you. Thank you to the everydayers uh, out there. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're on YouTube. Great conversation and chat numbers on YouTube. Appreciate you all uh, for tuning in. All right. So last night, uh, Ochai Abaji goes six of 17 from the field. Um, he had 18 points and he had 10 fouls. So the first thing is if he could have had 10 rebounds, we could have broke the triple double curse. Kidding. Um, I just honestly, like, I think you guys get this vibe for me a little bit. Leaf Tulane's going to take over the show next week. And I, I joked with him. Um, I will actually be working, but not doing the show. I'm going to just be out of Hawaii. And I don't want to wake everybody up at Odark 30 to do the show. Um, I joked with him yesterday, like, you can talk about, you can overreact to Summer League on things that don't matter. Like, uh, you know, the, that that's the fact. Um, what, now, hey, Keegan Murray drops 41 last night for the Kings, and I'm like, okay, like, that that would, would have been great if Ochai dropped 41. Yeah, would have been great. Um, and Keegan Murray, frankly, held himself pretty well in a playoff game last year, and I think it's like the fifth pick of a draft. So, and Jalen Williams looked completely dominant in his performance for Oklahoma City. And Ochai has looked good, and he looks better than everyone else. He's physically bigger and stronger and older. Like, the four of eight from three is probably what might matter to me. Um, but overly, really what you're asking Ochai to do is be super aggressive, be the man, be the primary scorer. Not what I don't I, – I, I hope we don't ask him to do that a great deal this season. Um, and, and the next thing on that is – you know, if we actually go look at Ochai, 
Well, in the last 20 games of the year last year, we kind of asked Ochai to do that a little bit when Jordan was sitting out and everybody was out. And he scored 14 points a game, but he shot 39% from the field and 33% from three. Like that was probably the first indicator that that's not entirely what he should be doing. So, you know, what he does last night, he goes two of nine on twos, right? So um, he's not particularly been great at the rim uh, in, in this, in, in the rims, a hard place to live. Um, and the spacing's not as good in a summer league game as it is in a, um, NBA game, but like I, nothing, nothing I saw was like, I mean, he wasn't great. And I, you know, and if we're totally like, I'm pretty sold that Ochai Abaji is a rotation player in the NBA. Um, but I'm not like, I still think there's a little left on that. Frankly, like he played 41 games last year as the 14th pick of a draft in which he's older. He's 23 years old. So like I'm like if I had to go like on a roulette table, like I don't think it's like red or black, whether Ochai becomes a regular rotation player and it's 50 50, but I don't think it's a hundred percent, zero percent either. Like, he still has a lot of development to do. He did a lot of things really, really well last year that led you to be pretty darn pleased and excited about who he is. Like, he played off the bounce a little bit. He showed the ability to pass. He generally showed the ability to defend. Like, there's a lot of things he did really, really well. Like, in the Denver game, we turned the game over. I think he shot, like, 10 of 30 or 10 of 25 or something late in the year. And, like, the OKC game, he shot 6 of 18. That's not who he is. Like, I don't think Ochai is going to be a number one or number two option on an NBA team. I think he's going to be a, like, his up, his high side is he's a really good NBA starter. And then his likely case scenario is he's a really good NBA rotation player. And I'd be surprised at this point if he's not one of those two. But it's not done, right? Like, it's not all the way done. His rookie year was good, but it wasn't, like, so good that you just said, oh, yeah, well, we know. No, I think there's still a lot of development. And they're pushing him right now in that development beyond a natural spot where you want him to be. Beyond what I think you'd ever ask him to be. And so at times he looks a little stretched. That's fine. So I wouldn't worry about 10 fouls I could totally care less about. Like, doesn't matter to me at all. Like, in the slightest bit. But like we saw, like one of the things I would say, like on Ochai, that we really saw development with last year that's important is if you is the free throw line. Remember, he he has this stretch where once he starts playing, so 41st game of the year, he starts playing and he shoots like I think it was, and I'm looking it up right now, from January 18th to February 18th, a month, he shot two free throws. I was like, oh crap. Like, I was super concerned about that. Two free throws with that body. Then he started to go to the line two, four, six, you know, two times. Like, then for the remainder of the year, from for the final 20 games of the year, from there, he went to the free throw line like three times a night. Okay, that's great development. That's a super big sign. And so what you want him to do is take these pieces and turn it into a regular rotation player who attacks enough, shoots enough, but he doesn't have to do it all. You know, if you go look at Ochai's first 20 games 
on the Jazz, I don't think he takes more than seven shots in any games. And from game like 41 to 61, I'm doing this, I'm doing off the top of my head. He takes maybe one game where he takes more than seven shots. Then from game 61 to 81, he takes like every game where he takes over seven shots. Like literally every game. I know the I know that to be true. He had one game the rest of the way where he took seven shots. In the first one, I think he had one game where he took more than seven shots. Something of that sort. So you you were just stretching him beyond, and, and this is part of the progression. They did a beautiful job of it. But am I going to worry because Ochai in his summer league game, so six of 17 and has 10,000? No. Did I did Ochai answer every single question about what player he is in the offs in last? No. And the summer league's just him developing some skills on it. He's a great kid. That actually is the overriding driving thing. He's a great kid, which is why he's going to probably be fine. Uh, I'd be super surprised if he's not a rotation player in the NBA. Super surprised. I'd also be super surprised if he became a rock star. Uh, Lucas Salmonich made shots last night. I really like his body. I really like like a lot of things about him. Puts it on the hand on the deck, both both hands. Um, I mean, this is a great 10-day signing, take a shot at guy. Because there's just like you don't go get 6'10, 227 who can put it on the deck with both hands. And he made shots last night. Now, he went three of five from three, and I literally said, and he had nine rebounds, he had three assists. He does spin too much in the lane. Every time he spins in the lane, it's a chance for turnover. It's a great line in basketball. When the game tells you to spin, it just told you to pass. Um, But I think, you know, he made shots last night. The question is whether he can ever make shots consistently, right? His career is 28% from three. That's the piece. And honestly, if he can't make more than 28% from three, then he doesn't become an NBA player, like rotation player. But everything else about Luka Samanich, if he can make start making 35% of his shots as threes, he can. It's great. Uh, Keontae George last night. I think the most interesting thing on Keontae George is the weight. So he said this in an interview with us this week, or last this week, I guess, that you know he played at like 205, 210 at Baylor, and he's down to like 180, 185 with the Jazz. He looks really slim, and he does look more explosive. Like, he was a big-bodied, heavy-butted, like, down-on-the-floor kind of powerhouse at Baylor, and I didn't love it. The guy I'm watching right now has a bounce. Like, Chris Morris, former jazz player, was on the show last yesterday. On the he Like, he immediately says, well, he has a bounce. Like, he does. Keontae has a bounce and an explosion and a hesitate. Like, all of that looks great. Looks really great. Um, and that's pretty exciting. He shoots, he's going to be, and he's going to be a fine shooter. I said it yesterday. I loved the release. Last night, he was three of five from three. He had 14 points. He had four assists. He had three rebounds. He was five of 10 shooting. He got caught underneath once deep, realized, oh crap, this is, this is summer league in the NBA. It's even worse. Like you get caught underneath the basket in the NBA. It's too long. You throw the ball away. He did that. It's fine. Like you, that's, that's what happens. Um, But I, I thought he looked like he looked apart last night. Um, and he's going to make mistakes. He's super young, 19 years old. But I thought he really looked the part last night. In the first game, he looked fl- flustered early. And then he had a good fourth quarter, which I just thought he was playing ball. Last night, I thought he was part of a basketball team and he looked good. That was exciting on Keontae last night. 
And that shot coming from the right shoulder, totally comfortable, no problem with distance. Uh, Leaf Tulin talked a lot about it on this show that he went and saw his workouts and he made shots. He looks like a guy who can make shots. Not looks, He does not look like a guy who shot 30% for Baylor in the last 15 games of the year from three. So I would say the opening two days are encouraging. He twists his ankle last night. I don't know that we'll see him today. In fact, I'm pretty certain we don't. Guys on twisted ankles don't. Like it's a, unless it's just a non-issue, but if he really twisted his ankle, it gets to be a knee risk to keep him playing is what trainers think. And so I, I don't think we'll see him. All right. Who in the West didn't get better? Like the Jazz got better, but I think everyone else might have also. And we're talking about it coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. That's Steve Carter. That's the best customer service you can possibly imagine. Huge fan of what Steve Carter's doing. Steve Carter's our own personal loan officer. Intercap Lending is a flexible, hyper-responsive lending company that's been growing massively in Utah since Josh Romney brought them brought it back to Utah. And the reason is because they get deals done and they do it with incredible customer service. If you're looking for a loan right now, you need to do something in this kind of weird market, Steve Carter is your answer. Make sure if you call them at 385-885-28, you tell them that you're with Locked On, get the Locked On discount, or email me at dlock09 at gmail.com, and I'll set you up with the VIP meeting with Steve Carter to make sure that you get the treatment you should. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465, intercaplending.com. I cannot suggest more strongly using Steve Carter on your next loan with Intercap Lending. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks does amazing, fun interaction and now has a great deal for you with the promo code locked on. Prize Picks will get you with the promo code locked on $100 instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, download the app, go to prizepicks.com for your daily fantasy sports. Prize Picks gives you pick two to six players. You're not going against other people. You're not going against sharks. You're going against the numbers. You're competing in any sport you want. And uh, you can do all sorts of fun things. You can decide, you know, I'm only going to get four of six right today. Or I'm going to get five of six right today. Or I'm going to get all six of six right. And you set your odds to see how you do, help your chances to win. Depends how big you want to shoot the moon. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's easy, it's safe and fast, and easy withdrawals. First-time users, 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Thanks so much for being a part of the conversation. All right. Did anyone in the West get worse other than Portland? So the Jazz got better in the sense that they added John Collins. Um, There is an interesting question of did the Jazz get better from last the opening night roster of last year? So Conley, Clarkson, Lowry, Vanderbilt, Linux, we didn't really know about Kessler. Beasley, 
Kessler, right? We didn't have Ochai really playing. Kessler was like, did we, are, are we better than that team that started the year and surprised everyone? I don't know. We're pretty deep, right? Everyone's making like, we got a bunch of guys making over 10 million playing ball. So, and Ochai and Walker are over $10 million players, right? We've talked about it a lot. We got five, five good guards and Keontae George. We've got four or five good front court players and Taylor Hendricks. Like there's a lot of guys. So we got better. But like if we run down the list of teams in the Western Conference. So Phoenix swaps out Bradley Beal for Chris Paul or swaps out Chris Paul for Bradley Beal. And 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 I and then has filled it in really admirably with guys that are I mean, that's a pretty loaded Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Bradley Beal. Like, that's pretty loaded. And I kind of love Devin Booker playing the point guard. And I think Bradley Beal's better than Chris Paul, though Chris Paul was a beast, but last year was fading. And then they just kind of throw in the Drew Eubanks and the Josh Kogis and the various Utah Watanabes and the Keita Bates jobs around this thing in interesting fashion. Phoenix got better, right? Durant for a whole year and Bradley Beal over Chris Paul. Phoenix got better. Sacramento is pretty much the exact same as what they were a year ago, and they were injury-free. Yes, they lost Terrence Davis and Matthew Delvadova, but I, I don't think that matters. So the only thing on Sacramento, I would say, is that they were injury-free a year ago. And I don't know that they can replicate being injury-free. But they certainly didn't get worse. Like their roster, talent-wise, is kind of exactly what it was a year ago. Denver. Denver might be a little less good in that it lost. they lost Bruce Brown. They got kind of Christian Brown's going to have to step up and take a larger role. They lost Jeff Green. I don't love that they added Reggie Jackson. So I think, you know, they're going to be a step Shorter, they might be able to add a buyout or something of that nature. But they were also the best team in the West in the champions, and they still have Jokic, and they still have Jamal Murray, and they still have Eric. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to pronounce that Denver got less good because their sixth guy or seventh guy is different. Maybe they're a little thinner, but they're still pretty great. Memphis is interesting because Dylan Brooks was bad. And Marcus Smart is way better than Dylan Brooks and Tyus Jones. Now, obviously, John Morant being out is a problem. And the bigger problem to me for Memphis is that Brandon Clark's still recovering from his ACL and Steven Adams' health. Brandon Clark's ACL is actually the one that, to me, is the big issue. They added Luke Kennard last year at the end of the year. That That's a great addition to them. Don't think that Derrick Rose is going to be able to play at all. So... I think Memphis got less good than they were at the beginning of the year last year because of the injury to Brandon Clark. I just think he's vital to who they are. They've actually been pretty good without Jaw. But that's certainly 25-game distraction. But from a standpoint of a whole season, not greatly different. 
So we walked down the standings and the teams that were considerably better than the Jazz, Sacramento, Memphis, and Denver, all might have slipped a tiny bit. Nothing dramatic. Denver just lost a few pieces. Sacramento probably can't stay that healthy. Memphis just dropped a little bit. This is where everything's going in the NBA. I don't think any of those teams got worse, per se. Like, they're not, like, I think you could slot them all in the regular spot. And Phoenix probably got better. And this is a little bit of where the collective bargaining agreement, New Deal, is, is that we're just going to move everything into this tiny little window by which teams have to be at 90% of the salary cap on the floor and that the top part, you're just not going more than $17, $17 million over the luxury tax. You're really not going to go much more than $7 million over the luxury tax. And so you suddenly have spending on all these teams into a narrow little ribbon. And thus the teams are all in narrow ribbon. Let's look at the last two teams that were playoff teams, not playing teams. The Clippers. So I do think the Clippers having lost Eric Gordon and Luke Kennard and one of the worst transactions, they traded Eric Gordon for Luke Kennard or traded for Eric Gordon for Luke Kennard and then cut Eric Gordon. That hurts them. KJ Martin's a nice addition to their roster. But again, like we can talk a lot about seventh and eighth guys on rosters, but there's seventh and eighth guys on rosters. And this is on a roster that just has extra guys, right? Bones Highland, Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum. They're all getting a little older. Does Jason Preston finally step up and get a chance? They brought back Russ. Eh, they didn't get worse. They got, did they get better? Again, the top level of teams in the salary cap are having a hard time getting a lot better. It certainly didn't get worse. And then there's the Warriors. And the Warriors have traded Chris Paul, Jordan Poole for Chris Paul and Corey Joseph for Dante DiVincenzo. Okay, that last one's a loss. They, they will miss Dante DiVincenzo. Corey Joseph is not Dante DiVincenzo. I have no idea how this Chris Paul thing's going to work. He's old and I just don't think he has, but I also think this Jordan Poole thing was really toxic. I think the Warriors locker room was way more broken last year than we've ever realized. If you think back at their comments they were making about Steph Curry having to make the appeal to them, that don't get on the bus if you're not going to be on board, that roster was way more broken last year than we real than 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 they they covered it up well. But if you think back at those reports of like literally the griping and the questions and the, and, and the Jonathan Kaminga being upset and Moses Moody being upset and Jordan Poole, they had fractioned in a big way last year. You just can't have fractions where half the guys are on Jordan Poole team and half the guys are on Draymond Green team. And it's clear that that's where the Warriors were. So I actually think the Warriors got better just because they cleansed themselves. Now they're old. And again, talent-wise, I think the loss of Dante DiVincenzo. So you look at the top six teams in the West – None of them got worse. Like getting worse would to lose Steph Curry, to lose Jamal Murray, like to lose one of your key guys. None of them got worse. On the fringes, maybe there's a little thinner. And this is the shrinking of the, of the ribbon that everyone lives in. Now we'll look at the teams where the Jazz are directly competing to go get in the playing game and see what we think about that. 
Today's program is brought to you by BetterHelp. The world is not easy. Is that like the most like over cliched comment? But it's true. And BetterHelp is here to help you improve your life. Get a better understanding of what's going on with you. Make sure you have a better understanding of the uncertainty and the noise. And when you have tough choices and paths that aren't always clear, when you're dealing with decisions about career relationships, you're wondering why you keep ending up in the same rut, trying to figure out how you're going to navigate life and what's what unconscious things are dictating your choices. Then sometimes therapy is really a wonderful experience. Better help is here for you. Better help is a way if you're starting to think about doing therapy or giving therapy a try, or your therapies that you have right now is not the answer then maybe BetterHelp is. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to, for your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and then maybe the most important thing is you can switch therapists at any time if that therapist isn't working for you. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. You'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. Locked on NBA every single day in the offseason, 30 minutes a day. We're not kidding around. We'll still be there for you each and every day, giving you all the news. Summer League, if you haven't been out, it's been fun. Lower Bowl's been basically sold out, so jump aboard. Uh, Friday's edition of Locked on Jazz is going to be a Ask LOJ edition. So that's tomorrow. So please send me your questions on Twitter. Not threads yet. We'll get there. Uh, On Twitter at hashtag AskLOJ. Put in the hashtag AskLOJ. All right, so let's continue down the road on this. I think this is super interesting because we got better, but no one got worse, really. So the Lakers, I don't actually think the Lakers got that much better. I think they just got rid of Russ. To me, that's the bigger issue for the Lakers. They were just a pretty good team after they got rid of Russ. Gabe Vincent, fine. Torian Prince, fine. Cam Reddish has never been good. They lost Beasley, Walker, Schroeder. Like, they just interchangeable pieces. Resigning Austin Reeves was important. He'll have a larger role. The Lakers are just way better once they got rid of Russ. So they're better. They're better than 43 and 39. Minnesota. So the Wolves... Added Shake Milton and Tony Brown, and they lost Torian Prince and probably Jalen Noel, who I liked, but it was inefficient. Okay, who cares? They're the same. Probably better because they're going to probably figure it out. Probably because Cat's not out the whole year. Like they're they're just kind of the same. Like the, there's no a lot of movement there. Pelicans. They they didn't do anything. I mean, they Cody Zeller's better than Jackson Hayes, but like if I'm not going to like get upset about Denver losing the eighth guy, I'm certainly not going to like tell you a team's way better because their eighth guy's better. I mean, they're they're playing on Zion Williamson being healthy. Probably unlikely. Oklahoma City, 40 and 42 last year. They'll add Chet Holmgren and Cason Wallace. I just don't believe rookies make you better. Maybe Chet Holmgren because he's a second-year rookie, but I really just don't believe rookies actually make you that much better. They get better because Shea continues to develop. Jalen Williams gets better. Jalen Williams gets better. The Thunder are probably better, but their roster construction with... Cason Wallace getting some time as a young 10th pick of a draft and um, 
And with Chet Holmgren probably being better defensively, they're, they're fine. So this is really interesting. Of our six playoff teams, Phoenix got noticeably better Bradley Beal instead of Chris Paul. You would think, you would think, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Clippers, Warriors just took a little, just came into the ribbon. Lakers, Wolves, Pelicans, Thunder, virtually the same, I think. Thunder probably pick up a little bit, but that next jump from 40 wins to 50 wins is a big one and really hard. The team I do think got way better is Dallas. I think they'll figure out the Kyrie Luka thing. It was a, their offensive rating was great. They added Grant Williams yesterday. They added Seth Curry. They added Rashawn Holmes. They were playing JaVel McGee and Christian Wood, who are just mercurial weird dudes. Like, I think Dallas got noticeably better. And Dallas was at 38 wins and out of the play last year. Of all the teams in the West, Dallas got better. It's interesting that I kind of feel like everyone kind of might have just picked, like, like, nobody has taken a dip here. And to some extent, like, when no one takes a dip, I actually think everyone gets a little better, right? We're a little better with John Collins. New Orleans just back together for another year is probably just a little better. They got rid of Jackson Hayes. Minnesota's probably just a little better. They got rid of like Jalen Noel who wanted more time. Like they probably just a little, Lakers just a little better. Warriors will got rid of their toxicity, a little better. Clippers maybe a little, like, this thing elevates a little bit. Portland, obviously, I mean, they actually were pretty good last year, and then they won 33 games. Like, they have Nurkic, they have Jeremy Grant, they have Anthony Simons, they had Damian Lillard. Like, that roster should have won games. We'll see what they have. They're just in a bind right now. The Rockets were 22-60. and 60. They added Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is a terrible offensive player. And Fred Van Vliet is not actually a great offensive player. Fred Van Vliet was the best available player on the market, but Fred Van Vliet's not particularly efficient. These are two of the least good points game players in the NBA last year, I think. So I'm actually, Toronto, they're better and if they have more NBA players and they were playing non-NBA players prior. But Fred Van Vliet's like a minus 1.5 points gained and Dylan Brooks is like a minus... Like, that is not a good offensive team now. And they were pretty inefficient to start. So I actually think Houston just paid an awful lot of money and didn't get better. Like, they got better than 22 wins because they have NBA players on the floor. But frankly, the one guy that was a really good points gating player for them was K.J. Martin. Who they just lost. But Jalen Green's like a minus 1.8. Jabari Smith's a minus 1.8. Tari Eason's a minus one. Kevin Porter's a minus 0.7. They added Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet, which are two of the worst offensive, least efficient offensive players in the NBA. Like Dylan Brooks, <coughs> last year, minus 2.5. Only Terry Rozier and Killian Hayes were worse. And Fred Van Vliet gets, shows up really quickly along with Jalen Green as the worst offensive players. That that team really might not be good. Fred Van Vliet was a minus 1.5. The only guys that got a lot of time last year that were worse than that were Trey Mann, Cody Martin, Josh Giddy, C.J. McCollum, Taylor Horton Tucker, 
Jeremy Sohan, DeJounte Murray, Scotty Barnes, interesting. LaMelo Ball, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, they're all on the same team. Lou Dort, Kelly Oubre, RJ Barrett, Paulo Boncaro, Dennis Smith, Russell Westbrook, Dylan Brooks, Terry Rozier. Those were the least efficient, kind of noticeably bad, efficient players in the league. And the Spurs got better because they got Victor. So the West is super interesting. We got, like, I I, I, I bumped into someone who's like, I think we're the fourth seed. Wow, really? What it really is, is it's just this compact. And I think that's how the East is too. And I think that's the new NBA. And I think it becomes even more so every year with the new collective bargaining agreement, which might mean, as I try to understand this new collective bargaining, some of this fringe stuff, seven, eight, nine, matters more than we think. And what could get really interesting on that could be that having players like the Jazz do, if you just look at our guard line, right? You have Colin Sexton, you have Jordan Clarkson, you have Taylor Horton Tucker, you have Ochai Abaji, you have Keontae George. I forgot somebody. No, maybe not. You have Chris Dunn. Like having six of them might actually turn out to be super important. That you're actually putting out 240 minutes of bona fide basketball every night might be really important. We'll see. I don't know. I went to dinner afterwards last night with a longtime NBA personnel guy who I really, really like, one of my good friends in the league. We've been friends for 25 years now. We had two totally different viewpoints of how the CBA was going to change the league. Two to- he thought the middle class was gone. I thought the middle class was going to prosper. So super interesting. Nobody's really certain what's going to happen here. All right, ask LOJ tomorrow. Please send me in your ha- questions with hashtag ask LOJ. Have a wonderful day. See you at the arena tonight.